Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 761st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have the replay of our interview with Tom Spellman of Dave Wilson Nursery to talk about managing heat stress with our fruit trees. Tom has been involved in the nursery business since 1973. At that time, he was a freshman in high school and rode his skateboard to work. Since then, he has worked for several different nurseries, including Laverne Nursery, where he was the general manager for 20 years, and currently, he is the Southwestern sales manager for Dave Wilson Nursery for at least the last two decades. Dave Wilson Nursery is the largest grower of fruit, nut, and shade trees in the U.S. They grow 10 million plus trees per year and ship wholesale worldwide. Over the past 20 years, Tom has done television, video, radio, written and conducted workshops, and lectured on the concepts of backyard orchard culture and fruit growing in general. Tom's dedication and passion for quality fruit growing has taken him to dozens of states in the U.S., as well as several countries around the globe to consult and lecture on fruit trees and fruit growing concepts. Enjoy. Welcome, welcome everybody. Greg Peterson from Urban Farm and I'm here with Janice tonight. Hello, Janice. Hello, Greg. It's a little bit warm over here. Yeah, I was gonna, I made a crack before we started. It's a hot topic tonight. (laughs) And we are here tonight with Tom Spellman. Welcome, Tom, and thank you for once again jumping in and helping us at the last minute on this topic. It's a sizzler, I'll tell you. Oh, thank you, Greg and Janice. It's always a pleasure to contribute for you. Thank you. Tonight's topic is Summer Heat with Tom Spellman. This is a tree chat. With our tree chats, we have opened up our chat room. You can communicate with us and just join us. This is a free event, and we do appreciate your support. If you'd care to throw some love at us at urbanfarm.org slash support us, it really helps. So tonight's chat, we are starting off with a really quick when and how to fertilize your trees in August. 
And then we're going to jump over to summer heat fruit tree survival. Let's talk about what kind of fertilizing you're going to do for your trees in August. You're not going to do anything except drenching. You are not going to give any kind of granular fertilizer. It's the wrong time for granular fertilizer, and it's way too hot for foliar fertilizing. This is addressing anybody who is in the Southwest Desert, which is what our chats are for. Anybody outside of the area, you're going to have to make that judgment call based on what your own weather is like, but I really wouldn't recommend anything else besides just drench feeding. So we are upping. This is brand new alert we are changing our formula to two to four times a month, which is basically every seven to 10 days, you are going to water your trees in our high heat. And with that, you are going to add heart, one to three ounces per tree in five gallons of water, put that in the basin, and you're going to water right after that. Then you're going to alternate the next week with about half of a cap of essence or so, half of a cap to a full cap, essence and soul per tree in five gallons of water and then pour that in the roots and let your trees get the boost that they need to try and be resilient during this heat. Each one of these drenches is followed by a deep water and you don't need to keep watering it and keep watering it. You're gonna drench your trees. We will talk about that more with Tom. Tom is here for summer heat and tree survival. Welcome, Tom. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a very timely subject. We've had a very warm July here in the Southwest. And the physical stress, I'm beginning to see it in residential plantings and some of the commercial plantings. And it all reflects on mismanagement. It's uh, people that aren't getting ahead of the issue. So when you're going to have summer stress issue, You absolutely have to be ahead of that. Your philosophy on every 10 days to two weeks of irrigation is solid, but you're going to watch the temperatures. And if you come into a period where it's been in the 90s and it's been 100 and all of a sudden it's going to be 105 or 108 or 110, you need to supplement another good thorough irrigation to make sure that those trees are managed through that stress element. Let's talk about that. Janice just suggested that you put five gallons on your tree of water and then deep water it after that. Yes. That that is a deep water. You're not going to get that kind of watering from drip emitters. No, no, you're not. So this is something that really should be done through a bubbler system or even by putting the hose out with a little rain nozzle on it. You want to make sure that you're really thoroughly soaking those trees in and, and you know, get those micro elements on uh, in advance, your five gallon a drench, and then follow with that good thorough deep irrigation. Yeah. So in our education, and I got this from when I was a kid on our flood irrigated property in Phoenix, we got watered once a month in the winter and twice a month in the summer with a huge caveat that you need to be paying attention to your trees use the tools that you might have, which could be a soil probe or moisture meters, and really just watch the trees. And what's a tree that's stressing look like, Tom? Physical stress will manifest itself in a lot of different forms. One of the first things that you're going to see is a very severe wilting of the foliage. You're going to see some defoliation. You're going to get some browning and discoloration of the leaves. And that physical stress sets in and you start to get some defoliation along fruit drop as well. If you have 
immature or ripe fruit on the tree. But once you start to get defoliation, now that structure is open to sunburn. So not only do you have physical stress from the roots up to the top, but now you have stress from the sun damage coming in and the, the tree's not able to properly it shade itself from those hot temperatures. So it's a double whammy. You got you have to absolutely be prepared for that. And one of the worst things that ever happened to irrigation in, in the southwestern United States was the, the mindless $59 five station timer. And uh. every landscaper puts it in on every landscape job and they set it for seven minutes a day or 10 minutes every other day, but it's mindless. It, it'll do whatever you set it to do, but that needs to be changed on a constant basis. Almost on a monthly basis, you would be updating the settings on a timer like that so that you can adjust it to the weather conditions, to the stress element, so that you need to be the brains for that timer. And I, and I, the only time I set my timers up is if I'm going to be gone for an extended period of time. Otherwise, it's me checking the soil. It's me making sure that I need to put an irrigation on and, and I know it needs it. And I turn on the valve and turn off the valve myself. So there's drench fertilizing, which we've just suggested, uh, or not just, which we've been suggesting all along the way. We just there's, increased it. We just increased it. There's making sure that you deep water your trees. If you are on drip irrigation, we sell a drip ring that puts out 10 gallons per hour. As opposed to the one or two that you might get from the little emitters. Yeah, and that's good. That, that circles the trunk as well. So yeah. putting it on more of a, of a broad area, you're not just irrigating in one particular spot like a drip tube might only drip into one or two or three sections around the tree, you're yeah. actually soaking a, a much larger percentage of the roots on. If you're doing that, you wanna leave it on for hours. Absolutely. When I'm irrigating my orchard this time of year, usually I'm kicking it on at night in the in nine or 10 o'clock at night, and I turn it off when I wake up in the morning. So oh. I'm irrigating for seven or eight or nine hours on every other week basis and always watching for those stress elements. And when I know there's going to be a quick jump in temperature, we're going to have a Santa Ana wind, something that's going to cause physical stress, I'm going to do a supplemental irrigation. It might not be eight hours, it might only be two or three or four, but I'm going to make sure that those trees have adequate amount of water before that stress element hits. Otherwise, you're just trying to clean up the damage after the damage is done. Got it. For somebody who's grown up in Southern California and knows what a Santa Ana is, for those of us who are in those desert that have not experienced a Santa Ana, we are getting similar winds right now on an evening basis. So what that is, that's the dry, constant, hot winds that come through and just whip all the moisture out of your trees. So when he says Santa Ana, that's what we're experiencing right now. And one of the things I noticed a few years ago is that prior to about three years ago, we would get winds in February and March. And the last couple of years I was in Phoenix, I noticed that we were getting winds in February, March, April, May, June, and July. And that just desiccates the trees. What can people do about that? It's basically the same thing. Those dry desiccating winds are drawing moisture right out of the structure of the tree. So you just want to make sure you're yeah. pre-irrigating. And a Santa Ana wind for us in Southern California 
they normally start in October or November and we can have them right through the winter. So they're not always a hot wind. Oftentimes they're cold, but they're dry. Constant. Absolutely draw moisture out of the structure of the plant. So yes. you have to be ahead of those. Even during dormant season, you have to be ahead of those. Yeah, they're constant and they're drying and the trees just don't have any resilience to that if they're not properly prepped. So we suggest that you put a six foot diameter basin with six inches of woody mulch under the base of the tree and then you plant some kind of ground cover and we give away cow peas every year and suggest that people use sweet potatoes. And then we suggest that people wrap the tree trunk as well. What else can we do? I'm a huge advocate of the mulching program. We've talked about that dozens of times over the last 20 years. So a good uh, four to six inch layer of a biodiverse mulch under the tree is going to do four things for you. It's going to keep the soil temperature uh, 15 to 20 degrees cooler than unmulched soil. It's going to make better use of your irrigation water by 50%. It's going to increase the bioactivity to allow the root zone to function in a more natural manner. Get your mycorrhizal activity and your beneficial insects and fungi going in there so the trees can grow naturally. And it's also going to keep your weed seed germination down by about 80%. So all of those things are great attributes. I definitely want to make sure I'm mulching, remulching my landscape about every 18 months is that four to six inches compost down to somewhere around an inch or so i just lasagna layer right on top of it so that mulch is going to do many beneficial things for us make Mm -hmm. sure it's biodiverse you don't want all redwood or all cedar or all pine needles or all stable rakings you want a little bit of all of those things so you have you can get uh, that way first mix in that organic blend And I also would recommend, especially on a young tree, keep that mulch pulled away from the, from directly from the trunk of the tree by about eight to 12 inches. So you're going to mulch out beyond that little ring right around the tree. You don't want to initiate a crown rod or a collar rod right around the trunk of the tree. So just keep it pulled away by a few inches and you're good to go. Mulching has so many huge benefits and really there's no negatives. I've never found a negative. And one of the things we do is we suggest people put their tree on a mound in the middle uh, yes. Of their hole. yes. So you're yeah. And- a little bit of a mound, get it up six or eight inches above grade, and that allows those top roots to oxygenate better and breathe better. And you'll have a very, very little problem with any kind of a root rot. I like your philosophy on on tree wrap, and I'm a big advocate of, of whitewashing trunks. There's several different products that you can buy over the counter. There's that one they call Arizona Tree Trunk Paint, which comes in white or beige. There's a great product I've been using by Ivy Organics. Oh, yes. Uh, which you can make it at almost any strength that you want. It comes with an essential oil and it actually has a little bit of an insect repellent for, uh, for borer issues as well. So once a tree goes into physical stress, those borers can come right into the system. So this is a deterrent for that. So that's been a, a great product. I've been using it now for several years and I, I really like it. But protecting that trunk from sunburn is the main thing. And even any scaffolding branches that are facing toward south southwest that's the hottest part of the afternoon sun is coming in that one o'clock five o'clock or six o'clock range it's all from the southwest face so make sure that you're protecting that southwest face you're not going to get burned on the north side you're not going to get burned on the east side but you want to definitely protect it from that hottest part of the afternoon sun 
When, especially on new trees, what we suggest, if you have a large open space, you put in three stakes, two on the west side, one on the east side, and put shade cloth up the west side and over the top. For a first year tree during a, a heat stress period like we had this July, I'm not opposed to that at all. But in, yeah. in general, after those trees are adapted in for a year or 18 months, I'm not going to baby them anymore. I'm just going right. to give them the natural protections that we talked about, the mulch, the whitewash, the supplemental irrigations, and just keep ahead of any stress issues that we're having. Here's an interesting question. Does it make any sense to spray the trunk and branches on a really, really hot day? Number one, I don't like the structure of the trees to stay wet at night. So I try and do all my irrigations earlier in the day. So that that soil gets a chance to dry a little bit and I don't want the foliage or the structure to be wet at night. Now, that being said, I am a huge advocate of doing an occasional hose high pressure nozzle, clean out the system of the tree, get the dust off the foliage, get the, we get the old dead leaves out just to clean it. But that's something you're gonna do maybe once a month. And I always like to do that just before sundown. So the tree's going to drip dry at night. It is going to stay wet for that night, but that's not creating a pattern. It's not something that's going to happen day after day. So it's not detrimental or causing any kind of a fungal or bacterial disease for the tree. Once yeah. in a while, it's fine to do it, but keep that system clean. If you have a problem with spider mites, if you have a problem with brown scale or red scale, with aphid, with mealybugs, just that physical blast of good, clean water will remove 80% of those creepy crawly insects. And you know, uh, what's there's nothing more organic than that. You're keeping right? your trees clean with something as natural as a high pressure water spray. Well, Bill makes a point about how here it's still hundred degrees. So nothing stays wet for very long. That's so. very true. That's very true. And like I said, if you, as long as you're not out there doing it every night and the tree's staying wet all the time at night for an extended period, then you're not going to have an issue. There's a couple of questions in the Q&A that are specific to what you said, Tom, that I want to throw out to you. Romana says, what size are your drip emitters? And then you said you leave it on from 10 o'clock at night until 7 a.m. in the morning. And then Mary Lynn says, do yeah. you suggest eight hours of drip or bubblers every week? Again, you're going to follow an every 10 day or two week pattern and you're going to look for those weather stress elements and you're going to supplement. So if it's like we had this July, the whole month was a weather stress element. So yeah. I'm going to do a supplemental irrigation probably on a weekly basis. Yeah. And, you know, that irrigation is going to be somewhere between hours. And then on my 10 day or two week period, I'm going to do that all night irrigation. So my system puts on about 10 to 12 gallons per hour. So if I'm running it for eight hours, I'm putting on 80 to 100 gallons per tree. Can you say how many hours again you cut out on that one? My system puts on about 10 to 12 gallons per hour. And I normally run that system for about seven or eight hours when I kick it on for a full set irrigation. And oh. another thing to consider, I have no runoff. I've channeled all my, my landscape so that everything runs into the landscape. Nothing runs off to the street. So yes. if it Amen. runs off to the street, you're wasting a valuable commodity that we cannot afford to waste. Yeah. Love it. Amen to that. All right. 
Thank you so much. Any final thoughts, Tom, before you run off? You know, I always appreciate the opportunity to get on and banter with you guys. I, I love your programs. I love what you're doing for desert fruit tree growing. You guys are such a valuable resource to the Southwestern deserts. I thank you for allowing me to be part of it and allowing me to work with you over the last 20 years. It's been a, oh it's been a great growing relationship and your advice is sound. I'm a backer hundred percent. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. As always, we appreciate you greatly as well. So much. Thanks for the opportunity. You guys have a great August. Awesome. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners, if you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right. Absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.